Yo, is the mic on, mic? Into that mic on, mic? And pour us another one. Let's do it right, though, mic. We feeling nice, though, mic. Gather round, gather round. Into that mic on, mic. Into that mic on, mic. Yeah, garage drinks with Mike. Woo! What do we have here? Okay. My man, Beulah Kuali. Cheers. Welcome to my garage. Love it. Thank <laughs> you, brother. Thank you for having me. So good to have you. Now, you had the interesting choice of getting me to um, <coughs> choose mm. a red. Mm. Right. This is, a, this is a Shiraz. Love a good it's Shiraz. from a part in Australia called I Macari. love Shiraz in Australia. It's the best in the world. That's the one. Bro. I know this That's stuff. The one, yeah. yep. Australia's the best. Oh, you feel anything? Oh, you're good, man. It's smooth, deep. Yeah, yeah. Earth. Australia make like really good Shirazes. They make like really yeah. smooth ones. Is it Australia? They call it Shiraz or Syrah? Syrah, New Zealand. Syrah, New Syrah, Zealand. New Zealand. It's Where? the same grape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same grape, but over in Australia, it's known as Shiraz. I love, I love um, wine. Yeah, they make really. Sometimes some people reckon it's because they're so um, such a dry country. Mm. Um, and their mm. grapes grow different over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the difference is like if you didn't really know wine, it'd be that um, sometimes when you have a red, and the red is um, uh, just a little bit tangier, a little bit harder to drink, mm. then they call that like a cheaper red. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'll tell you something though. I'll tell you something interesting, bro. About Especially wine. About wine. I and know about, you know and about, about and about wine. South Auckland. And about South Auckland. Yes, sir, let's go. The thing about South Auckland is that like if you go to like a lot of the liquor stores like just the locally owned ones mm. some of their stuff bro is it's great like, the reason being is that not many people around here like a lot of red wine or white wine bro, so no, like, no, any South Auckland that's <laughs> coming up that knows wine you're the first one I met oh, we'll tell that story later on but okay. we will we will no but the thing is that like some of the bottles sit there bro they sit there for like years oh and so, the, so you know, the the, um, the storekeeper is just like, I just got to drop the price, drop the price. So he does, bro. The Indian storekeeper bro, doesn't know he's making he money. He bro. doesn't know, bro, that like, you know, that that six-year-old Shiraz or that, that eight-year-old Cab Sav he's got sitting there, mm. Mike's waiting for that, bro. Mm. And I'll go in and be like, oh, 10 bucks. 10 bucks. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> And bro, like there's some there's some gems around South Auckland, bro. Mm. I get some of the best deals, like at some of these, uh, but uh, you know, like, um, there's also like white. Tell me off the mic, because you tell me the specific stores off the mic. So. But there's heaps. This, no, but this is the thing though. There's heaps. There's just everywhere. It's the independent ones. Yeah. Like, uh, like if you go to like Super Liquor and Liquorlands and stuff like that, of course, like uh, mm -hmm. every label has to have a price, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. it's the independent ones. Gotcha. You pick any independent one, bro. You can walk in there and, and you yeah. just like, but you got to look at like. Uh, so I guess the best things to notice is like the year, like yep. the older it is, yeah, 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 the better yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And like you just gotta look at like the reds. Hopefully, like if you like a like smooth reds, if they're from Australia, yeah, well, then good you're in. from Australia, yeah, Ooh, yeah, bro, yeah. That. But that's a good tip, eh? But I love that about South Auckland, man. Like yeah. um, I love that like all about all the liquor stores in South Auckland. It's not just like the reds either. It's like mm. the um, Chardonnays and Rieslings are mm. whites that you can age mm. as well, because um, just like Chardonnay, like the longer it grows. It's kind of like a red, and it, and it gets like darker, right? Like a like Ooh. a deep, deep yellow, deep like old a skin, dehydrated piss. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> now, nah, literally, literally, yeah. literally. Hey, man, it's so good to have you here. Thank like, you. Literally, it's been well, it's been years. It's a couple of years, bro. Couple it's been of more years than a couple, man. You. It's been been a few, eh? When did you leave New Zealand? Like when I actually left New Zealand, probably like four years ago, probably. Yeah. Like when I got my family, and it's like, let's go. Yeah. 
and that was that was crazy yeah yeah that was a oh my god i'm doing this like yeah going into the world and starting again yeah yeah and not knowing and having a young family like my kids were just born yeah they just came out of you know hospital they're in intensive care for ages i remember that yeah i remember that um I think probably best if I like take this right back. Take it back. Right back, man. Right Right back. back. Take it right back. Um, Because you and I like first ever worked together on this little short film, right? This little short film. That was a true story. Mm. As soon as I saw the script for the short film, I was like, yeah, man, I'm keen, man. Mm. Because this was uh, Manurewa. Mm. And it was about a liquor store shooting that for real that happened. Mm. And it was a very sad story Mm. because Guy ended up dying. Uh, it was an awesome short film. Yeah. And you and I worked on it together. We did. And that was, I think that's probably nearly about 10 years ago. I was, though. bro, over. I was 17, bro. I was still in school. Wow. I done that, I shot that during the school holidays. And that was my first proper job. I remember, I remember. Because yeah. when I met you, you were like, nah, I haven't done any acting. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what am I doing? I was like, gee, yeah. you're the guy from that show, Pacific Beach Street. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, gee, that's the guy from Pacific Beach Street. He's oh acting my God. angry. <laughs> Yeah, but that was um that was awesome, bro. And you um your performance in there was pretty solid for someone that's never done it before. Yeah. But you had done like probably drama and stuff at school, eh? No, no, nothing. no. That year was the first year I discovered drama, and my drama teacher it wasn't even a drama class. Was, shout out David Riley, he's my boy, Tangaro College. Um, he he was an English teacher that decided to run a drama club. Right. In my second to last year of high school. And it wasn't even a class. It was just like something you go along to. And we just went along to just skip other classes if you join this thing. But and it wasn't it, even a class. Nah, it wasn't like a... And it wasn't until later on they figured out, oh, this thing is actually cool. I think we used to do it t- during like lunch times or something. Yeah. And then next year it became serious or something. I can't remember. But yeah, he gave me the piece of paper for audition. And yeah. I was like, I'll go to an audition. Yeah. And then I went along and done whatever the guy told me to do. Yeah. Did it feel weird? Yep, bro. Yeah. I was thinking about it as I was... What sort of stuff did you have to do? Nah, because he got me to hold a stick and get the gun, remember? Get the gun and (laughs) I had a hoodie. That's right. And he's like, you're the robber, you just go in and rob. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I just done it. Yeah. And then he was like, then he um, just told me to go home. And then later on, he told me I got the job. I was like, what? And then I was telling my friends, it's like, bro, acting's easy. You just do what the fella tells you. (laughs) Like, you just do it. He like tells you to do something and then you do it. And then it's like everyone, and I was telling all my like friends who are friends. Everybody should act. You, you can, can act, do it. You, you can, can do it. Bro, it was that easy. Like, and you know, in hindsight, now I know not everyone can act, but that was a blessing. You know, yeah. I figured out, holy crap, this yeah. is something that God's given to me. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's because a lot of people, like, you probably don't, like, sometimes, even I don't realize, but a lot of people, like, they panic and stuff. Like it's mm. a real fear for them to mm. even like talk in front of people. Yeah, you know. So it is. A, it's definitely a blessing if you don't yeah. have that naturally. Yeah. yeah, if you're able to like have that confidence. Yeah, especially. But see, I come from like a trained background. Yeah, of going to drama school and stuff. Yeah, I can tell you, bro. Like when I first started drama school, I did not like drama school because yeah. I was. Um, it was very different for me. Yeah. Like I had to pretend to like walk through like a block of butter, yes. pretend to be a tiger. Yeah. And that's when I auditioned for drama school, mm. right? And when I auditioned for drama school, bro, my cousin was sitting in the room and he was in like a black singlet with black sunglasses and a chain. He was just sitting there. That's cool. And he was like, <laughs> bro, embarrassing. And um, the, teach, the, uh, the person stopped, the, um, he was like, oh, excuse me, um, can you please wait outside? Yeah. <laughs> And my cousin was like, yeah, he had to wait outside. And I was just like, I got nothing to lose, man. I might yeah. as well look like a thick. Yeah. And so I just did it. 
but it wasn't I don't feel like it was natural to me mm. but yeah but some people some people like you man they just have a natural inkling yeah for I still have that fear though that you're talking about like ah, the nerves right. like I'm not calm I'm calm now because yeah. I'm talking to you yeah um, I, I have fear if, if that nervousness is not there then like I know now through experience that it's not a good job yeah. or I'm not I'm not nervous enough like I use the fear I use the nerves to push me through what I need and it forces me to put an extra work in but then it's like a boxer training like you're just training the whole time before a fight yeah. you're nervous nervous get to the fight it's on so you're just like huh yeah. let's go you yeah. know and that's just through experience back then you know being a youngin I was just literally doing whatever the director told me yeah and I still do that now but now I know other yeah. tools to yeah. the trade there's like a story back there's a backstory to yeah, it yeah and there's you know I have a voice as well I, I can have a conversation with the director with the yeah. writer with the producer yeah and be like okay but no I don't see it that way yeah. and I'm you know I know I'm it's not I don't know if that's not a New Zealand thing or I know I know it now like I've, I have conversations with the writers and mm. producers and I because it's a collaboration it Everything has to be a collaboration it has to be yeah but there's nothing worse than someone walking yeah. to the room yes yes I'll do that yes yeah. do you oh, know what bro. I mean like oh because then it's um they, that was me yeah but also like um um also it's um you can't you're not getting a chance to put your color on the canvas yeah. you know what I mean like and that's that's fine yeah. but like um I guess it's something that you sort of get as you as you yeah, mature as, you, as well as you, as you learn throughout the that job that you can add your colour to the canvas and it can mm -hmm. be a good colour yeah and sometimes it's not but that's why it's a um, yeah. you know that's why it's a piece of art yeah yeah that's why it's yeah. art it's just like and I challenge I love challenging people and I love being challenged and yeah. collaborating and I collaborate with everything like the job I'm now collaborate with the makeup artist the hair I'm like talk about specific, and they're just like man like you're awesome that you, and I was like no because we're making art like I love you know, I'm. I love my job, bro. That's like, awesome, bro. Too much. I'm addicted to it. That's awesome. Addict, I'm obsessed with acting. Like my brain. And you know, I tell my boys that, like, I think about it twenty four seven. Right. Right. Like it's so weird. Like, even now, like yeah. so subconsciously, I'm yes. thinking about how I feel now and lock away, and like how this smells and what that camera is doing and what that camera is like. I'm constantly, constantly just taking in on. information. It's so weird, but it's yeah. because I love my job. Yeah, but it's also that you're more aware now of things that you can store away. Mm -hmm. And bro, we live in a world as well where a lot of these sort of experiences, um, they mean a lot. Mm. You know what I mean? Can't, we don't take things for granted as much anymore. Our freedoms, mm -hmm. <laughs> all that. Um, I just picked you up from your, your mom's house in yes. Otara. Side of yeah, baby. Which is awesome. And that's where we filmed as well for that. Yes. <laughs> bro, the fence was broken. It was puckadoo as. It was like a green fence. It was like a legendary fence that holds everywhere. Not now. No, I don't know. I definitely yeah. noticed that. But um, how does it feel to be back in New Zealand? The best yeah. feeling you yeah. know, ever. Especially during, you know, coronavirus time. I was out there for a good while, you know, I was away from my family for like five months. I sent them home early from Hawaii because I just watched how America was dealing with the virus and I was like, this is not cool. You're going to kill my kids. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't know if it would have killed them, but like, I don't even want to play with the chances of it. Nobody wants like, to play in, with um, yeah. no, my family. So I sent them home early and then I went off to Finland and shot a movie there with this whole epidemic thing. And um, 
it's so, so what's weird. It like? What's it like? So what's the world like, bro? Bro, it's just weird. It's from. like a movie. It's like those sci-fi movies. Everyone is like, it's, people wear hazmat like suits, like in there, like t- sticking tubes down your nose three times a week, testing you. You, you know, you have like little laboratories on set. There are different zones, so there are three zones, like a red, yellow, and a blue. And these zones, are like crew members. So usually in a film, to for the audience, usually on a film set, everyone just mixes and mingle, and mm. you have, you know, close to a couple of hundred people together on a set making this piece of art mm. for the in front of the camera. But because of Corona, like you have these different zones, and these zones are not allowed to mix. So you have had like the i think the red zone which is the good zone is the actors the directors and the sound guys one guy from sound one guy from one grip one and then the other zones are the you know Bad the, zones. yeah are the other like the grip guys you know more of the grip guys um more of the electric guys more of the sound guys so when and they can't come into and they can't come in when we're working so when we work and do the scene and cut and they need to change camera you have to the, all these leave. guys have to yeah that these bubble guys leaves have to, that bubble this bubble leaves, leaves this bubble, this bubble comes sprays in. it down the next bubble like gets Surely. information relayed back from what they need set up the lenses spray it down again and then we go back bro it's so weird doesn't that cause like massive delays massive yeah, and bro. it costs a lot of money yeah. to have these tests so it's uh it's definitely a weird time to be working right Far now around. Yeah, bro. That's pretty crazy. But it adds to the fun. You know, I love it. Like, I love it, bro. Because I'm just like, well, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use how I feel right now mm. for whatever I'm about to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. But you incorporate any of this stuff into, like, what you're doing at the moment? Um, into the storylines? Nah, yeah. but I do know I do know a friend. I'm sure oh, it's coming, KJ, KJ. No, KJ. You know KJ yeah, Apple. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, he just shot a film during the coronavirus. I think it was the first film in the world that shot during the pandemic about the pandemic like oh. they just got a whole bunch of people together and i i think it's streaming online and it's doing pretty awesome oh that's cool so yeah you know they made it work it's weird it's so weird it's so weird yeah. but this is the thing though it's weird for us because it's just happening now yeah but for our children like um i don't think it's going to be a weird thing this yeah. is going to be they're going to be used to it it's their norm. And they're gonna, yeah and we got to get used to it as well as yeah like as much as we call it weird this is kind of the new norm yeah yep. um if I go back to um, so after you did like Manorewa, mm. obviously that's long time ago. Mm. Okay, um, where did you sort of go to from there? Like once you did Rewa and you saw like your f- face on screen and stuff, mm. instantly hooked, or did it take a few projects? Um, sort of well, before it? that, I was doing Massive Theatre Company. Yes. So Massive Theatre Company is pretty much where I learned a lot of my my core values or like techniques if people call it that just like my work ethic and they came in during that time when mr riley was um made this drama club and he was bringing in different theater practitioners mm. like he brought in um letty and annabella mm. you know they came in auckland theater company and then he brought in pipa then he put in massive and massive for some reason i just clicked to them and then i heard they were doing free um, workshop during the school holidays. Mm. So my first week of school holidays was first 15 training. Then the second week was empty, rest. So I just went along to Massive Theatre Company. Mm. Just like you, bro, I was at OMAC. I walked into the room and yeah. I walked straight back out because yeah. I just see all these kids walking around in the space. Yeah. And then this first kid, never forget his name, his, his name was called Michael Easton. He's from Manurewa, um, uh, Manu, um, Manu High, and he walks straight up to me, looked me straight, and he's like, Hey, how's it going? My name's Michael. Nice to meet you. 
And he looked me straight in the eye, and I was just like, oh, uh, yeah, my name's Bueller tonight. Like, when he walked away, I just gapped it. I, like, ran out. I was like, someone just looked me in the eye, and I don't know them, and they said hi. One of those real actory types. Bro, and I just wasn't used to people looking you in the eye. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, that's not yeah. something. And, like, yeah. and I don't, especially when I don't know you, like, yeah. when you look someone in the eye, it's like, yo, let's, we're going to go? That's the only, and that's the only out? time it happens. Yeah. That's the only time it happens. And it was so weird. And yeah. then, you know, I kind of just psyched myself up to go back in and yeah. then done the workshop. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I liked it because it was physical theater. I was yeah. like, oh, this is kind of like training. Yeah. You know, so I kind of caught the bug there. Then, maybe a couple of weeks later that Manurua audition came and then I started to catch the bug and I said, like, oh, this is becoming something, you know? But I didn't know what it was going to be. It's just, like, it's just a hobby. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just a hobby. So you're 17, 18. I'm not getting paid, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm making no money. I didn't get paid for, I didn't get paid for years. <laughs> for years, you know? You're just doing these things because you like it and you don't know why and you're just like, I like being in front of the camera and I like trying to make myself cry or make myself laugh at something that's not funny or it's a good challenge eh? yeah it's just a challenge and i'm a person that loves to be challenged it's a challenge like an athlete but mm. like on a different um like a, a more mental and emotional i think harder as challenge. well because of that yeah it was very confronting as well yeah it, it asks you to be vulnerable Bruh. in front of a lot of people um so almost naked uh, and bear your emotions or look like a dick yeah. in front of the world yeah. and be okay with that and yeah. ask you to do that and yeah I'm and still to this day ask me to do that and it's the same thank you sir it's the same question from you know when uh, just open up and be vulnerable that I had when I was 17 you know and that's still the hardest thing it's like oh. still I, find I, it still find it hard it's it's I have more tools and know that I'm safe to do it, but right. it's hard. It's just as hard. Well, you got to be in the right headspace. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I was telling my wife about it the other day. I'm like, particularly for this character that I have now and just the stuff that I've made up with him and the stuff that I've chosen to pull out of my life to make it real. I'm like, I told my wife, it's like, now imagine working 12 hours of the day, but you have to wear the darkest stuff that you've gone through in your life and walk around with it in this world and people are doing this job and what i the way i choose to do it is that i choose to wear this cloak mm. just like i'm just gonna open myself up mm. and i have to walk around with it like on that day at work yeah you want to stay then, in that you want to stay in that yeah because it's hard to come it's hard to come in come and out when when you go and then cut and then <laughs> yes. and then yeah. to and yeah. action again yeah. and to find that same spot yeah so i just choose to be I just sit in it for the for the sake of the work for the sake of the craft mm. you know and sometimes you look like a dick sitting away from people and people don't get just people don't understand sure sure know? but at the end of but the day that's okay though it's, it's your job bro like yeah. that's the you know what i mean like um and yeah people won't understand yeah. so how is it for you at the end of the day like coming out of it you're it's okay yeah. oh bro i'm still rough like i yeah. i thought i had to like I, I do have the tools to come back and yeah. i come back i've come back way quicker and what I used to like, my, we'll go that we'll talk about it later. My first job in America, that I came back to New Zealand and I was stuffed, mm. bro, for a good couple of months, bro. And my 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 wife didn't recognize who I was, no one did, and I thought I was just normal, but nah, bro, I was. And I still have like traces of it, right? 
but it's because I open myself up too much. Not yeah. too much. I just open myself up. What project is this? this that is thank you for your service. The mm. Steven Spielberg. Yes, um, and you played yeah. a Samoan soldier with PTSD. With PTSD. Yeah, he's a real person. He's a real person, and that's why I chose to go all in. Well, the thing is, bro. Like, I mean, I know you, yeah, and I know like um, if you meet someone like that, yeah, bro, you're going balls deep, yeah. But you owe that person. That is the least you can owe them. If yes, you're gonna sir. portray what they did in real life, yeah, you owe them to go that depth. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand that you would have gone deep. Yeah, with man. That. I went. Ooh, mm. it was dark. Yeah, like. I spoke in the accent non-stop for the whole time I was there. Like, even calling back to my wife. I only broke it one time when yeah. my wife asked me, she's breaking down, she's like, can you just say I love you in your normal accent? And then I, like, said it, like, weirdly because I forgot how to speak New Zealander. What accent? American. Yeah, American. Because I, And I chose to speak in the American accent non-stop because I didn't know how to do an American accent. Mm. So I was just like, the only way to improve is to pretend that I'm an American or just... Yeah. just and get better each day and slowly and slowly you know I got better and better and you know it's still something I work that's on that's deep man you know what they, you know they call that the method I didn't know it was method yeah. until um, we shot the movie done you know we got the reviews and stuff and then the director's like bro you know that's called method acting mm. it's like that's what dicks do he goes mm. and like uh, like I done some dark stuff bro mm. like I got images of you know cause he has PTSD and this particular guy saw something terrible and I you got met a bunch him. of you met him right yeah. yeah yeah he became He's. I still talk to him every day mm. now and the, all their soldiers in that movie um, I got images and video footage of some very graphic very graphic footage of stuff and blacked out a whole room played it on a massive screen TV um, and I made one of my triggers there's like war images yeah. yeah and one of the things in the story is that when he smells smoke or meat because mm. um, he's, he's, he's triggered in Iraq it just goes off so then I decided in New Zealand prepping for the thing to rot a bunch of meat from the butcher put it in a dark room black it out like this play this heavy rock music and then just have those images go grr, 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 for ages you did this bro this people don't know it right now you know but a lot of people don't know and this is something me and the director talked about and on set yeah. mid scene yeah. he would just pull out this rotten meat and it just made me go Ugh. like we just bring out this darkness and you'd have to cut his and you look at me go stop now suppress everything and call action so i'm sitting there with this like inside like, it's this like- yuck disgusting thing that i made up mixed with my own real stuff and then he tells me play the scene but now you're just gonna put a massive heavy lid on that pot and it's not allowed Control to follow yeah. and you're just sitting there going and you yeah. cut and you're still going you're just like Cause you don't, cause it's a, you, you're so vulnerable. So yeah, but yeah. Then I found that was method acting. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> kind of messed yeah. me up a bit. But it was, like, I would do it one million times because I know I done a great job for that man, mm. and I done a great job for that project. And that project pretty much is carried on. Um, you know, reliving through the rest of my career. That's but that's awesome, bro. That you yeah. can. That's something you can give from your soul, from yep. your being. Like, yeah. As far as gifts go, mm. it doesn't get much bigger than that sort of gift. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that he's he's pretty happy with. Bro, he was also. Bro, he because sometimes I think it's it's weird for people seeing the um how people play them portray them on screen. Yeah, which is quite removed. Yeah, you know. So how? Yeah, what did he really think? 
bro, it's crazy because the director couldn't talk to him, bro. The writer couldn't talk to him, like to help make them. So he was kind of making stuff up. What do you mean? Like the conversation would last thirty seconds, and then you just he'll just hang up. So he was just making stuff up in the script and using, because um, it, it was written off a book. And he's using the information from the book to write this movie script about him. He's like, I can't break free to this guy. And I tried calling him. Like, I tried, I tried. I remember Christmas time before I went over, like, three times. And same thing. Conversation last 20 seconds. Like, Sapusu, my name's Bula. Like, oh, hey, man, my name's Tosolo. He's really shy. Tosolo Ayeti. And then he'll just stop. I just like, what? He's like, oh, I gotta go, gotta go. Yeah, yeah. Hang and up. just like, or just like the conversation just went nowhere. And he's like, oh, all right, brother. See ya. And then like wow. everyone got to talk to their character except for me and like probably three weeks in i realized i can't take this cloak off i just got to keep it on and i was really struggling i was like at my house just going crazy bro like when, when they sent and this me, is filming in america the, yeah in atlanta i was in my house to drop me off and so I, who's with you at the house just you just me bro <laughs> in this apartment they put me in an apartment and they oh, just dropped me off even better just let then, you and your demons just bro, stay there there was this one time where I was watching an episode of Friends yeah. and something happened and I told the guys the next day I was like and I sent them a photo of my couch and my couch was all like the springs in that was like bumpy and all bro I just went off on the couch just like boom 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 and I Snapped. told and they came the next day they're like what happened I was like bro I don't know I just snapped and then that was around the time where I like I needed a call solo and no one could break through to him. And I picked up the phone and go, Solo, before you talk, I'm gonna tell you who I am and what my life is. And I just told him my life. Because the reason why that stuff was so heavy is because I added my life into this character. You know, I don't play Tasolo Aedi, I played a lot of Tasolo Ayeti's things that I learned about, but because I didn't have a connection with him like personally, I had to add me. Mm. and then all my dark stuff and that messed me up and then bro the man talked to me for like two hours so once you opened up to him he flew over to Atlanta no I was like shit. I called the director he's like bro Tosolo wants to fly to Atlanta and come from where sit. from Vegas wow and they flew him over and they were like you got through to the guy I was like yeah bro I just told him who I was pretty much and who I am and where I come from and um yeah and that would have made it easier as well. Bro, the best. And then we had the best time ever. We're right. like best friends now. Even the rest of those guys, you know. I'll, I'll die for those. You mean. What a story, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But one hell of a, one mm. hell of a journey as well. Oh, it was, yeah. It was a journey. And now, and now he's, you know, we got him a job, me and my agent. He works with, he's best friends with Ray Siffle. No shit. Pretty much, bro. <laughs> like he, and he, he, he's telling me, just before the film was about to premiere, I knew he wasn't going anywhere. The PTSD stuff wasn't helping. He couldn't get a job. And I was telling my, my agent, I was like, I can't have this. Like, I'm about to go to a premiere. I'm My rating's probably going to move up. And the guy that I'm playing, the guy who I literally pulled my heart for, is going to be in the same place, if not worse, than when I shot the film. And I was like, I can't have that. And she put in a call. She found that she knew Ray lives in Vegas. She's like, hey, there's this guy called Tosolo Ayeti. But, you know, maybe you can find him. Next day, next morning, she calls me. And I never met Ray. Like, everyone's a fan of Ray. Ray's like, he's now like big brother. He like calls like, Mandy, I found him. I was like, huh? He's like, I found him and I got him a job. Wow. He's going to work in you're working with me and now he's uh, best friends with me. And Ray doesn't know that before Tosolo used to go out on missions to clear rooms and you know 
he didn't know if he would come back. And Iraq, he said, um, Ray didn't know that. He, Ray didn't know that he, Sefo, um, Tosolo used to upload YouTube videos of Ray Sefo's fights, highlight fights. But because it took forever, the Wi-Fi and internet in uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, he would have to wait for when it come back, when he comes back to Upload enjoy them. it. Oh my play. gosh. And then now he's like, you know, best friends with Ray Sefo and now he doesn't stop talking. Now he's awesome. Now he's that's so solo. So cool, and I'm, that's that's probably my proudest thing about that film. Sure, sure. Is that I had that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you pretty much you've changed that person's life. He changed himself, man. I helped him, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's all people need is yeah. just like a, a hand sure. up, just a hand up. That's yeah. it. You know what I, I mean? Like, um, but um, Ray Sifo now has a real life freaking warrior that works for him. Yeah, man. He's got a <laughs> bunch of them, man. And it's just like, that talks to Ray Sifo's heart. We all flew out together for the premiere. Me, Solo, Ray, you know, went out to LA. We had the premiere together with, you know, Agent Mandy and for the greatest time ever. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. That's what life's about. It's about sure, those it experiences. is. Something I can take to my grave and be like, you know, that wasn't just about the film or just about it's like there was something bigger yeah. than the film. Yeah. That happened there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome, bro. It just makes yeah. me think, man, like, you know, there's there's bigger things to like stardom and there's bigger things to like Way you know bigger, what I mean? Bro. There's so, such bigger things and it's often hard for people to like look past um what appears, you know what I mean? Yeah. On social media and stuff, and they don't see the real yeah. things that happen behind, behind the scenes. Um, that's an amazing role. Yeah. But tell me how someone goes from Manurewa to like landing a role like that. Yeah. From Otara Ooh. to landing that. Like, how does that journey happen? Yeah, man. It was years of. I got that role when I was maybe twenty four, twenty five, twenty nine. Now, I think twenty four. And from 17 to 24, 17 to 21, acting was a hobby. Right. It was just something I did, something I was good at, something I liked, I knew I loved, but didn't take seriously. 21, I made the show called The Brave with Massive Theatre Company. It was just eight boys and we just told our life story on stage. And I, like, you wrote a letter to yourself and I wrote a letter to myself on that show. And I didn't know, but um, then, but I just challenged myself. I was like, you're going to be the Denzel Washington version of New Zealand. You're going to be an um, actor slash personal trainer. You're going to be a good man. Um, oh, you're going to wow. stop being fake. The Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, bro. You know, I was just kidding. I just read this out and said it to the audience, saying it to myself, and literally spoke the words and believed it because I wrote it. And um, that, was the, that was the breaking point for me to be like, I believe in myself. I'm never working a normal job ever again. I'm just going to chase this thing. And with that came the grind. Yes. That everyone knows. Well, er not everyone knows. People who chase the dream, who um, who want the dream, who really want it, need to understand what the grind is because it's working your hardest but receiving nothing forever. It feels like forever. I worked for years making minimum wage trying to work four to five jobs trying to pay bills and what, sort of, life jobs, gets what sort of jobs were you doing i was doing yeah, i was working at, at a gym you I was, and i were trainers yeah, together we were at trainers a gym. together i was working like short film jobs i was just um, taking anything and everything i was taking anything i was uh, like a drama teacher for master theater company i was doing anything to try and scramble coins together but and you know every time christmas this was Every time I think about Christmas, it was always the worst time of the year because I'd always cry because I never had enough. Yes. I never had enough money yeah. to 
to, to show my girlfriend that I got her something and then also make my family happy and I was just like man this sucks why did I choose this think job and I looked at my little brother who's working a factory job who has all the money in the world you know during Christmas buying everything and then I'm asking him for money and I'm sitting here trying to grind away to chase this dream and no one believes in you everyone's going why are you trying to chase this thing but I was I'm stubborn like I'm stuck when I choose something I have to chase it and I knew I was good for it and I knew God put me on this earth for something so I just decided to go out and chase it and like that's the grind part and then when you're grinding when nothing's coming in you're constantly working mm. you're constantly improving you're constantly for nothing just for the love of it so when the opportunity comes bro yeah. good luck because the opportunity did come well, thank you for your service. Oh, well, many jobs, many theater jobs. Mm. There's a point in New Zealand when it's just like theater jobs are just coming. Yeah. You know, I was doing theater jobs as well and then, you know, TV jobs. And I was just like, okay, now I'm making money here in New Zealand. Well, not enough money, but like, you know, now this is a job for me. Now I can take this seriously. But um, then the American job came and then I got that and I was ready. And I just, oh. I almost didn't do that audition as well. For that Thank movie, you for your service. Why is that? Because I didn't have enough money to do the self tape. My guy that I usually done it with, um, the agent at the time, he he wasn't here, so he told me to go to some cast. I won't tell your name. Yeah. Uh, some casting directors and um, pay them fifty bucks. And I was like, bro, I don't have fifty bucks, bro. Me that's a lot. That's a lot of money, bro, to do a casting tape. Hmm. But um, I didn't have fifty bucks, and I was going through. You know, with the grind comes life. As fifty well. bucks is a lot of money. It's a bro. Yeah. That's yeah. like five bucks is a like a weeks weeks worth of mega ring, you know, <laughs> mega ring for to noodles. Feed. Yeah, you know, you fifty know? bucks. Yeah. So I went along and done the audition. You know, I told my wife, like, "Well, we're gonna starve this week." I done the audition just to let out stuff that had you done other life. self tapes that you had to pay for. No, that was like That's my first one. Yeah, I don't hear of that often, but yeah. I guess they do charge. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they didn't charge. Maybe you ripped me off, but it's the best fifty bucks I've ever spent in my life. Sure, I'll tell you sure. That, bro. But that's about that's quite a few years ago where not everyone has like a camera, a light, but they no. can just shoot stuff in their garage. Yeah, yeah. People were making money off other people yeah. that didn't have it. And I literally done that, and the director I, got, I heard back. There, I was like, no way. Off that one audition. Off that, that one audition, audition. Send it through. Yeah, and they and I at the end of it, they cast. They looked at fourteen hundred people. God for damn. that one role for that one role and I was like how'd you find me because I was just doing the audition to let the stuff that was going on in my life out because I needed to release and I didn't care about the audition at was all. it a very intense audition it was dark yeah okay oh I don't know if it was a dark audition I was dark and I didn't care what was on the thing I was just gonna put out the darkness right because I needed to um, and I'd done that and yeah and then the director got back to me they flew me over to LA to do a chemistry test, a thing called a chemistry test, which you do. What's a chemistry test? So when you book a job, they want to see, okay, we like this guy. We're not sure about this guy because he's pretty much a nobody from New Zealand and you're going to get him as one of the lead roles in the movie. So let's test them up against the other actors um, in, the, in the job and see if they have chemistry. Yeah, and right. I've done that and I've done a scene with Miles, Miles Teller, who's yes. the lead, who's one of my great friends now. And we click straight away. I was like, I don't know. And then we came back home and waited for months. Found out I got it and that's where the dream. What was it like when you found out? Bro, lost my mind. Yeah. Lost, I went to the agency 
he called me in. I remember it was the summertime. He, he's, I knew he was going to tell me the news and he's breaking it down. And he done the trick, you know, the fake. That's sorry, bro. You haven't got it. But you got it. Scream, Ooh. cry, ran around the room, bro. Just like, whoo, goosebumps. Fuck Felt yes. And finally. And finally. I was just freaking out. Drove home in my little blue Excella, Mazda Excella. And the first song I played was Scribe, Dreaming. I never forget that driving up the Harbour Bridge towards the North Shore to tell my missus that I got the job. You know, I think I told her over the phone, just screaming, crying, bro. And that was uh, another one of those was, memories that you just lock away. I, it's there, bro, for life. Yeah. Like that's a thing that I know. Yeah. Like, I, I can, I, I see that yeah. vividly in my head. Like, I know. You it. Still feel it. Still taste Ooh, it. You know like, what I mean? It gives me goosebumps yeah. now yeah. thinking about it. You know, and I thank God, bro. Yeah. Like at that, I was crying, thanking yeah. God, because. At that time, I was also having the worst time of my life in life. Right. Just in life in general. Like, right. it was the, probably the darkest time in my whole family's life. And the best time. And I didn't know how to celebrate because it's just like, what is going on? You're just like... Well, sometimes, bro, stars align. Yeah. And there might have been a reason why you were going through that. There patch. was. Yeah. And I used it for the wrong. If you didn't have that, like, yes, where you sir. were personally at that time. You might not have had that depth and that, you know, that yep. darkness about you in the audition. Yes, yes. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, Everything yeah. happens for a reason. It does. Everything happens for a reason. It does. And so you flew straight over to America and started shooting? No, I got there early because I had visa problems because some American at the consulate in the New Zealand consulate, American consulate in New Zealand, yes. denied my visa. Denied your visa? Yeah. Long story, he was racist and he ended up getting fired. Are you serious? Pretty much. And then I had to fly to Canada to do the same reason. They were like, why'd you get denied? I was like, I don't know, some racist American in New Zealand denied me. And um, so I got there early. Uh, I got there a couple of weeks early, bro, and I had no money to my name. That guy that got fired, he's never going to fucking forget you. Oh, yeah, bro. He never. He's never going to fucking forget me. And I, and I told him, like, because in the building, it's like super America. It's like super, like, we're security. Okay. This is at that building down. Yeah, down at Auckland, yeah. opposite Britain. Yeah. Like, okay, guys, come in. You scan your hands. You know, everything is just like. And then I was like, you know, when you leave this building, like, these are my streets. <laughs> so I was just like, because I could see what he, it's, you know. Negative interview. Was it a negative interview? No, it was a, he just told me these, like, the, it's crazy because this, the girl in front of me was going for the same visa. It's called an O one visa. You had to be like extra. It's called an extra extraordinary something. I don't know, but to qualify for it, you got to have a job in America with you know some. I don't know. Yeah. But the girl in front of me was a model and she wasn't doing anything. She we were talking beforehand and she's like, yeah, I'm just flying to LA, hoping to get into jobs. Balangi. She got it, Balangi. You know, and you the interview is right here. You can you can hear everyone get into you so everyone heard me get denied <laughs> the line he's just hold like, on you get denied right there when you're sitting that's yeah, it why you're standing that's there. it yeah bro and he was just like off one person yeah bro one person okay, it's a little bit fucked and up. he got he told me he didn't ask the girl he was like are you a nobel prize winner i was like uh no sir he goes are you academy award-winning actor because these are some of the things that you need for that i was like no sir but i got i've been told by the dreamwork lawyers to come and all i do is hand the paper to you Show and they've done it a million times and he's like yeah but you no and i was like the girl before me she doesn't have a job i have a, I'm, I'm one of the lead roles in a dreamworks movie he goes yeah sorry kid well, i'm gonna have to deny your visa and i was like okay 
and then I just walked out and then I called the guys they're like this has never happened in the how many years of my career is it just but also they would have been questioning like are you telling the truth yeah bro right. they were telling me they're like <laughs> bro because they're like are you sure you're not a, have you got a criminal record I was uh, like bro now you guys are being arrested because I was like no I haven't got anything on me bro like I've, I'm clean yeah. like there's nothing yeah. then at the end they told me do you think he was I was like I don't know like I guess like he denied me for no he got fired damn yeah but yeah. okay well that's a trippy story man bro it's a bro my, I always think my life because people think um, this job has been easy and it's glitz and glamour but bro if you saw and only the people close to me mm. and this and understand know how messed up it's been bro it's been so messed up like so messed up but the best thing in the world is it and i show you the world i'll show you guys on instagram what it looks like how how nice it is and i show you the working grind but behind the scenes it's so hard and it's a grind that no one will ever understand it's yeah. like i always hear on podcasts when israel adesanya always talks like i relate to him so much mm. like not as a fighter but just his mentality uh, israel adesanya i say that name properly um just because I know how hard it was, mm. and people see other stuff, people see the the bouts, the but they don't see how they don't see this, and it's see. sometimes it's things that you can't even comprehend. Yeah, like that's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's it's, it's, the only person yeah. that really knows, bro, is your wife. Yeah, yeah, my and wife. That's but that's that's how it should be, man. Like that's yeah. um, that's your biggest um, that's the biggest that's my biggest team player in my corner, man. I know that, and is, she bro. knows everything. You know that's what it. I mean, and. Uh, yeah. To our cheers, wives or cheers, cheers to our to wives. To having good wives, man. I think that's super important is you got to have that support system. Bro, it's insanely important. Because, you know, as a guy, you're like, I've got to do it by myself. Bro, I am a bitch. Yeah. I am a little bitch compared to my wife. Because yeah. she's just like, I would come home crying. So I, I give up. I tap out. And she's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you really going to tap out? Now I know you. You're like crazy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, babe. And she just slowly starts to wrap me up. She knows which buttons to press. Mm. And I just psych myself up. That's yeah. how it should be, man. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. Um, so getting to America and filming, um, and you're staying, uh, you're, stay, you're staying by yourself as well. Mm. Um, it's already hard being away. Oof. Are you married? At, no, you're not yet married at the time. No, right. George is just my girlfriend. She's your girlfriend. At the time. But you're still away from like your family and stuff, and you're yeah. shooting in America for like three, yeah, four months. Yeah, it was a couple of months, bro. I remember this. And you're um, how was that? How's it being alone? Uh, I'm used to it now, but yeah. it sucked at the yeah. time, especially being uh, especially dealing with such a heavy role. Oh, bro, it was dark. I had the guys there. I had the military guys that I was, you know, they became my friends. But it was uh, when I came back to New Zealand, I was so detached from family. Yeah, like I was so detached. I didn't know who I pretty much didn't know who I was, bro. Um, because I was by myself and I just attached myself to the closest thing that was safe. Yeah. And it was the boys and they were great. They looked after me. Um, they became my best friends, but yeah, it was, it was, we were all dark. You know, yeah. my best friends were military soldiers who actually done the things that we're pretending to do. And they'd seen and done stuff that, you know, not normal human beings would do. Not your average human being would do. So these are the, these are the guys that I, but I became best friends with them because they were the only people who would treat me not like a movie star. Yes. Yeah. You know? It's just like... Well, their life is not about... I wasn't a movie. Yeah, yeah. they didn't care about yeah. what I did for a job. They're just like, 
you know, shut up, drink a beer. I'm like, yes, sir, I will drink a beer. Mm. And this talk. Real. Yeah. Um, but is it different entering into that world of like, you know, because all of a sudden you're one of the, um, one of the leads in this movie. Yeah. And how does America treat that differently to how New Zealand, how bro, New Zealand? They like, like put you on the highest pedestal, bro. Is it hard to, like when you first step into that world though, like what's the adjustment like? You know what I mean? Like um, You're in the stars, bro. Yeah. They put you in that. Like it's almost, they put you there to fail. Yeah. They, they put, put you there to fail. I feel like they do. Put you there to fail. Yeah, I, I feel like they put you there to fail and the guys who fail don't deserve to be there in the first place. Right. And the guys who make it, you deserve to be there because you didn't fall for the for the trick. Right. You didn't fall for the trap. You didn't give up. You you realized what was going on. You chucked yourself all the way down. And you just cried and you you, you fall in love. You know, there's still people in the industry that are still stuck and think there's something else. But, you know, I probably during that job, I found about my love for the craft. My love about, I was like, oh, this stuff is rubbish. Yeah. You it's know? paper thin. It's paper thin. It's two-dimensional. Yeah. yeah. But, Bila, you got to understand as well, bro, that there are people around here. There's people around the, there's a majority of the industry is probably people that, um, they need that though. They need the, um, to be famous. It's very, very important for it's them. It's disgusting. It's, yeah, but, but like, yeah. there are people like this. There's, there's, no, I know, I know, many. I know. Um, a lot of them were my friends. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. A lot of them. And I've seen it happen right in front of my own eyes. Yeah. You've seen it happen yeah. in front of your own eyes, and we Many know. Time. And I just, I just don't care. Like I just like cool. You be stuck in. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. Yeah. I get what you want. Cool. But, uh, but that's cool. That's that's yeah, you. you. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, what? Are you? I was like, no, because like I love acting. You love fame, and you yeah. love two attention. very, very different things. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like I love my job, yeah. and not my job is like it's me. Yeah. It's li- I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with acting. I'm obsessed with I don't care about fame and stuff like yeah. the perks are cool cool you yeah. get cool perks but like shit there I'm must not be the, down perks to it yeah. as well and there are massive down perks but then also I'm not I don't define myself as an actor right like Bula Koale when he dies is I would hate for Bula Koale to be an actor <laughs> you know when he dies I'm Bula Koale and I pray for this every day I'm Bula Koale the, the man of God I'm Bula Koale the, 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 the father uh, the husband the father, the son, you know, to the son to my mom, husband to my wife, you know, father to my kids, um, brother, f- all the way down. And the last thing down at the bottom of the list is um, the most sought after actor in the world. And I tell myself, it's kind of like a mantra to myself that I say, I'm like, God, help me achieve these things. Help me be a man of God. Help me be a great husband. Help me be a great father, you know, all that stuff. And right at the end is um, the most sought after actor in the world. But um, the thing that people see me as is right at the bottom of the list. Mm. Even though I chase for it hard out, mm. but I chase for the other things just as hard, bro. Well, that's so much more important. That's so Hell much more yeah. important. Being a good person is... The best. The, yeah. Bro, people yeah. underestimate the power of being a good person. I thoroughly believe that, bro. Yes, sir, I just Because oh, you're a good person, that's why. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm here, bro. I wouldn't do yeah. it for dicks. Thank you, Straight bro. up. Yeah. No, but I believe in that. Like, I believe thoroughly, like, if I just do the simple things right, if I'm just a good husband and a good father, and I just do my best at those little things, the rest will fall into place. You know oh, what well. I mean? And I know when like decisions come up in front of me that are like bad decisions, I try and make the right choice. Yeah. I have decisions that come up for my children, I have to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the harder choices for me to make, but I choose, make that choice. Mm. Like Mike, make that choice. Like figure out like um, what's worth more. Yes, you know sure. what I mean? Make that right choice. Bro, um, and you know what? 
to be honest, and I know you know this, a lot of times you don't make the right choice ever. A lot of times, bro. A lot of times. I'll tell you, bro, because uh, you and I are both father of sons. Yes. We are. As your sons get older, you will have to make decisions about yeah. where the line is drawn, how we discipline our children, yes, you know, and how they how to teach them to become men. And yeah. the type of men that you want to be proud of. Yeah. In this day and age, it's too, it's too easy. A lot of people just let it go. Yeah. But um, if you really want to be a father that really takes control, like you have to make decisions then, you know, and, that, mm. and that's another level of like yeah, decision making. It's, I'm massive believer in that. Yeah. You know that like my circle of people who I keep close to me, mainly men. Mm. I have three women as my wife, my mom and Mandy. Um, but my circle, because I grew up with terrible men. Right. Right. No great male role model. The people who I thought were great male role models, I found out later on in life they weren't. They're terrible. Right. And so I had zero men. So the people I surround myself with, there's only a handful of men, and they're great men. Mm. And I challenge them to be great men every day, and they challenge, and I vice versa. That's all you need, that. bro. That's yeah. all you need. Because for the sake of our kids, for the sake yeah. of my kids, yeah. like, bro, I just don't want them to see or grow up with the things that I grew up with you know yeah for men it messes you up true it's also, and also why I'm good at acting because like I draw on that stuff but yeah. and also at the end of the day like your, your career would drop away tomorrow mm-hmm. right if you had your family with you you wouldn't yeah. care so much about it like okay it happened yeah. this happened it was great but I have this at home and this is so much more important it's the best yeah because there are people that have it the other way where they have like great careers and stuff yeah. but you know for a fact that they're right. sad when they go home we know a lot of them I know a few yeah, yeah. And, but um, if I, I put it like this to myself if I'm always happy at home then everything else flows yeah. and I do a lot of things like yeah. I'm real busy I have a lot of different know, things bro. that I do four jobs four jobs four jobs but I, I love each and every one of them yes and, and, each, and each time I do any one of those four things I'm very passionate about it. Mm. I do the best I can. Um, but I only do all that because I've got what I've got at home. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have what I had at home. Bro, we'd be useless, bro. I'd be on a dog. We, we, we would be what we were kidding. when we first met. Like when we were doing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah we go way yeah. back and we're, yeah. yeah, you know, we just. That is absolutely correct. Hey, man, I um, every time I get someone on, bro, I did my homework. Yes, sir. And I try and like look up um, stuff about the more information and um and just to have a general idea of like anyway i came across a brilliant story about you um you tell me whether this is true or not but a story about um first arriving in america i knew that's where you're going to being in a hotel (laughs) and i came across the story this morning bro yeah um and about being hungry it was on deadline you're on deadline deadline i think website i think yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it a true story? Yeah. This, yeah. As the story goes, you tell it. You tell it. Then. No. As I was, oh, what, what I read yeah. was that you were at a hotel. Yeah. You just arrived. Um, you were broke. Um, didn't have enough money for food. And so you were taking the apples from the gym that were free and just eating that for the first three days. Mm. And then asked the hotel if you could pay them back when you finally got your first paycheck. Yeah, bro. Um, later on. And they told you that everything is already on the production tab yeah there's a yeah. true story true story and okay uh, yeah true story number one thing is what an idiot like nah no, but that this also is, this is not what I thought but, but, but you carry on it's yeah so I went to Atlanta had no money had about five bucks in my bank account five bucks American if I turned you know I don't know what that was in New Zealand ten dollars 
calling my wife go I'm screwed because I had to go there early because the visa thing it's like oh my gosh how am I going to eat so I just go up just you know their feet on their fly you first class is crazy you know you, I'm just eating as much as I can because I know the house about to let loose soon get to the hotel really flash hotel and I got no money for anything I can't touch anything in that fridge because it costs more than my whole wallet I know you know I put know. together and I'm just like alright I, I go down to the gym to train and I see right on the desk is a basket of green apples so I'm like fuck okay I guess that's me so for three days I go down to the gym three times a day train walk out say what's up to the lady go two apples go upstairs and just eat and by the third day and it was just that and water. Yeah. Mainly. And I don't ask for help. Yeah. There's another thing, self I know. I'm still terrible at it. So am I. <laughs> you know, I hate asking for help. Yeah. It's like, and no one knew about it except for my, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife. Uh, now, um, yeah, on the third day, I just, like, I had no energy, bro. I was about to be put into this Navy SEAL boot camp in the middle of nowhere and I had no energy. My body wasn't working properly. I could crawl over to the desk and ask the ladies. I'm like, my name is Beulah Coily. I'm going to sound crazy. I'm doing this movie. Like, um, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. I've been eating the green apples. And this black lady from Atlanta, she's just, like, sitting there looking at me. I was like, there's, like, a chocolate bar right there, like if i promise you like i'm doing this job i'll google it i'll google it for you like like this is my name i'm doing this movie this is my license like i'll pay you back i'll come back when i'm done with the job when they give me my first check and i give you some money for this thing like can i have some food and she just like almost cried and it's like sweetheart you like the things on the production i was like and i just cried remember that she just looked at me and she just didn't know what to do and she's like go ahead sweetheart i go upstairs and i went to my room Call my missus. I was like, oh, I can eat. And just ordered everything. Just ate, bro. You know? I didn't think it was a story. Until it's a story to me. No, but yeah. And then I told people. Yeah. And they're like, you were eating green apples for... And then suddenly I, you know, my team still. Bro, when I read it this morning, I was at work. Yeah. And I read it this morning. And uh, I stopped for a moment. I breathed. Yeah. Because I've had moments like that. Mm. That's Now, there's two things here. There's like... um there's like not being able, not being comfortable to ask for help. Yes. And the second thing is, is people assuming that everyone knows what's available to them. Yes. Okay. I had this, um, this has happened to me a few times, bro. Um, the first time it happened to me was um, I was coming back from um, a trip to the UK. Mm. Like coming back and I was stopping over via Kuala Lumpur. I don't have much money, but um, stopping over in Kuala Lumpur, um, this is Malaysia. They have like a, um, yeah, I was supposed yeah, to yeah. stop over there just for like maybe two, three hours. Mm. Um, anyway, it happened that the day that I was <laughs> that I was coming back, I was, I was kind of crossing the timeline mm. and I was only going to see like two hours of my birthday and it happened to be in Kuala Lumpur. And I was like, you know what? <clears throat> stuff, it's my birthday, man. I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to buy me a cologne. It's my, I'm only going to see two hours of my birthday mm. this year. I'm going to buy me a cologne. Yeah. The duty free. And I was like, sweet. I went and bought a cologne. It was like Armani Aqua de Gio. It's a beautiful <laughs> cologne. <laughs> anyway, um, wait for my flight there's an announcement um, this flight has been delayed 24 hours oh and I was just like oh shit and I have no money I had spent I had like about three bucks um, I had no money and I was like ooh there's a time as well when I used to smoke I used to smoke cigarettes yeah. and I was like check my pack of ciggies and I was like oh about six ciggies so I budgeted it out yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. budgeted it out and I'd go and like lie on the seats and try and sleep for an hour I get up and I do like it's like a circular airport do yeah, a walk yeah, around yeah. No, I've been there go to the cigarette room yeah. have a ciggy have some water 
come back, try and go to sleep again just to get rid of the hunger. And I was starving. I was so hungry. People coming and going, coming and going. And then about at about, I don't know, about 20 hours in, like there's four hours left of the flight. I was like, stuff, I'm just going to go wait by the gate. And I went and wait by the gate to the flight to Auckland. I was really hungry and I'd smoked all my cigarettes. I, I was just on water and I was, sit, I was like sitting there and then this, um, this dude, um, walks up and sits um, not too far from me he's like big brown dude and uh, he looks over at me and he's like uh, you going to New Zealand? And I say yeah I say oh yeah and he's like where are you from? and I say uh, from Auckland I say nah but what are you? oh Tongan I say, oh yeah I'm going to Tonga I was like you from Tonga? he said yeah stopping over New Zealand and carrying the Tonga oh cool he's like Man, let's go get a feed. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. And he's like, let's go get a feed. Bro, like, I could have cried. Mm. This guy took me to Burger King and brought me, like, you know what islanders oh, are yeah, like, bro. bro. We eat together. So this guy paid? This guy paid everything. He was like, nah, we having, we're having everything. And I was like, oh. I nearly cried. Did you tell him? I told him. And he just laughed because he understood as well. Yeah, he understood bro. the same thing, bro. Yeah, man. Like living in, like, a. Um, and you still didn't ask for help. He. Pretty no. much forced it on you. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like that, um, you know, that pride. The <sighs> pride's quite is, strong. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bro, I, I still have it, bro. I still I'm have the it. same, bro. I still I'm have terrible it. at it. Yeah. I still have it. Even like trying to set this stuff up yeah. and things that I struggle with, with trying to learn like how a podcast is supposed yeah, to work yeah, yeah, and how yeah. cameras are supposed to work. And and I, 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 I try and like, I told my wife the other night, I was like, the hardest thing about this is asking for help. And she's like, what do you mean? Because you, you got a massive, awesome circle around you, and I was like, I know, but still, it's, it's the hardest it's thing. Tough, like, man. I just feel like, um, I just feel like, um, if if someone gives me their help, I have to give something back. Yes, I'm the same, bro. <laughs> and then you give, you back, give back way more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah bro. Yeah. Here's a bell. Yeah, yeah. Like, but like, what can I give you, bro? Yeah. Here's the wages for the week. But <laughs> that's why, that's why that story, like, immediately, I clicked. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know bro. what it's like, man. Yeah. I know what I know what that's like. It's like. Yeah. Um, just trying to get by and like ah no nah, be right just get hard knows, get hard everyone that knows what that's like knows if they read the story knows that because I had a guy in Hawaii when that f- story first came out and it went all you know it was on the big newsprint called Deadline in America right um, the crew member from this black guy was one of my best friends over there Perry Perry um, he's a props department he walked up to me and he's like full on crying and he grabbed me he goes, is that true? And I didn't know what he was talking about, but I knew this article was out. Mm. And he grabbed me and just hugged me. He didn't know me, bro. I've only been in Hawaii for like maybe two months. Yeah. Just been on set. And he grabbed me and goes, I freaking love you, bro. I yeah. know what that's like. And I was like, all right, I love you too, bro. And I was like, whoa. You know, people who knows what rock bottom yeah. looks like. Right. And not just rock bottom, you hit it once. Yeah. Like the point that rock bottom was so normal. Like yeah. became home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Rock yeah. bottom was home. Yeah, you know, it's uh, people. A lot of people don't understand. You know what I mean? But um, but also another thing that's even harder to understand is people that kind of exist at rock bottom, but their eyes are always up to the sky. Oh. No matter what's around them and stuff, like a lot of chaos around them, but they they still looking. They still believe in themselves. Yes, sure. like, man, one day, one day, man. Like I know that everything that's around me at the moment, I know that it's happening, but I can do better. I can do yeah. better. You can do better. Yeah. and telling yourself that stuff as well and just constantly reminding yourself that you are worth more you can do better I constantly battle with that bro right like even till now like right. even to this day 
right constantly like my mindset is always maybe it's just because i've been there my whole life yeah you know until like recently but it's just like i'm constantly struggle with asking for help and just having that feeling of my back's against the wall always i gotta keep working it's like you like my agent yesterday we went to lunch she's like you understand you got like three movies coming out and she's like no no i gotta keep work like you gotta gotta hustle there's something something's gonna happen something's gonna go wrong because some you know this is why like we can't spend this much because like you made enough it's like no because they don't but they they don't understand the where that fear and trauma comes from i understand because we we understand it bro we get it like that was i will never forget the day when the cop came on the door and me and my mom and my brother were huddled down under the table and she's like pretend like no one time like no one knows you know not most people know what they're feeling or that feeling like we have no dinner for two weeks mm. this pay is going nowhere or we don't know if dad's going to have a job or blah 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 this like it's a feeling and when you experience that as a kid it kind of destroys you mm. you know and i and i i know it has wrecked me but I, luckily i have a job where i can vent sure people yeah. don't have my job a lot of people don't have the job that we have so they can't vent, mm. and they don't vent, and then it explodes Stugger, drinking everything you know doing, yeah. and I, i've seen it happen in front of my eyes many a times yeah and it's sad it is sad yeah yeah um i want to acknowledge just while we're talking about it right now that you know here in new zealand at the moment i don't know whether it's a new thing or not but uh, you are everyone out there is entitled to six free counseling sessions yes sir which is an amazing thing oh yeah and the way you can qualify for it is that if you go talk to your gp and let them know what you're going through or if you're in like a point of yeah. a place of darkness or or if you feel like your back's up against the wall and they recommend they um they put forward a recommendation mm. for you to see someone i know this and i can say this because i've done it mm. and it's helped me a lot uh, I want to do it, bro. I yeah, told yeah, yeah. my wife. I think it. everyone needs to do it at I, some I, point. Yeah, you know. I think I think it's the it benefits everyone, anyone, everyone, because these people are trained. Yeah. they just sit there and they just listen. Yeah, and you, um, you underestimate how much just talking about a problem to someone who's a complete stranger really sort of takes that problem into perspective, and you see like mm. how small the problem is, or like how like log- logistically speaking, like what that problem actually looks like. Mm. you know what I mean just talking about it is um, kind of releases a little bit of it yeah one million percent and I love that about New Zealand that we're doing that yeah I'm a massive advocate for mental health yeah I, I say advocate but I'm not like I'm not in part of any organizations or like but I want to like I have you know I love that's why I knew you were going to talk about this I love like the guys like Adi Savia like mm. the guys like Israel Adesanya all these people who are in places that are higher up, but they, when I listen to their podcast, they talk about it because it's important. And because people like us, like are traumatized from a young age, we go through, well, humans in general, we go through things that you need to talk about when you're older. And it's yeah. something I told my wife I'm gonna do, you know, she was a little bit hurt because she's like, you should talk to me about everything. But no, I shouldn't, because there's some things that I would never want my wife to hear that I've experienced. Right probably vice versa right you know telling a stranger yeah. might help and then getting that stranger to give you some feedback yeah. about it and then like you said show you that oh that problem that you think is massive <laughs> this big yeah but if you don't talk about it and your you mind never know. blows up it oh, becomes bro. such a huge thing and you carry it around and you're like oh that was like, me bro you know it was us it's a lot of people out there my friend it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of yeah. people out there you know everyone's got everyone's at different stages as well yep um 
I got asked um, I got asked at my work to talk about communication mm. um, to some of my workers and I've got to type up something to talk about present to them to talk about communication but when I was typing it up and when I was looking at it when you when you really break it down communication with other people is about respect mm-hmm. you know what I mean because um, people communicate with you in different ways and that also depends on like where they are Mm. in their lives as well what sort of day they're having mm. people come in like so, some people come in like aggressive mm. or arrogant into a conversation or like demanding other people come in like really uh, nervous mm. really um, insecure um, quite shy um, but if you're always I always think that if you can communicate with someone just openly respectful then you've done half the work you know what I mean because mm. like no matter where they are in their day the rest is up to mm. them but if you can, if you can just be there for them, mm. then you've kind of like, you know, the balls in their court. Mm. But communication between people is so important because it's massive. a lot of people don't know how to do it. Yeah, I feel like as actors, <laughs> we're, we're kind of trained. We've taught some things to help you do that. I feel like a lot of us. I know for myself, speaking for myself, I'm a person that I'll take it. Like, and I see where you're at. Then, then, then I let that ball roll around and be like. Okay, what are you gonna do with it? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you came in there, you did, like you didn't get the response back, or you know, and then I just play around, and I send something back, you know, and and then we, I always feel like I'm like, man, I'm being fake to these people because I'm playing different masks. I'm not playing different masks. I'm just playing what they're giving me, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like, oh, and then we'll talk about this, cool. And then, oh, okay, you want to talk this way? Let's go this way, you know. So, yeah, we're lucky to have our job where we kind of learn how to do that's that. That's right. That's right. But that's when we're acting. But some of us are terrible to do it when they call cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you've been in Hawaii this mm-hmm. whole time. Talk to me how, because um, obviously back in New Zealand, the coronavirus pandemic's quite different. What's it like over there? Uh, it's, uh, I think it's worse than it actually looks. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, because while New Zealand was all lock, locked down and the whole country bought into the, coronavirus thing and like Hawaii I think I was calling a bunch of the guys and they were telling me they're like this is serious and I looked outside my window and I could see the whole mall I was like gee my mall is packed wow. like to the brim every day and the tourists are coming in and the numbers are going up and America in general is like terrible right now and people are dying left right and center um, and that was happening in Hawaii as well yeah happening in Hawaii it was just ramping like kind of died down and then it started to ramp back up just as I was leaving for Finland but I do know that like that's why I sent my kids away yeah like straight away because I was just like these guys are pretending to be like they're onto it America not Hawaii but just America in general but they're not because they don't really want to buy into it they don't because it's there's too much money being lost of course you know, and I live on top of a mall, like the biggest mall in Hawaii, and I can see it. Like, it's like, there's way too much money being lost here, you know, and I could see them trying to do the thing to make it look good on paper, but then I'm like, and then they're also trying to do the thing to make the bills get paid and make sure money's coming in. And Well, it's the fear of every country is like yeah. the economy. I'm glad... I'm glad I'm in New Zealand, bro. That's all I can say. Like, I'm very happy. I love Hawaii. Hawaii is my home. It's become my home, and I want to buy a home there. We almost did before COVID, but lucky we didn't. Mm. And I would be locked in a house. So Hawaii's on lockdown at the moment. They're kind of. It's kind of like they're just in a gray area, man. What? So what, is, like what, does a, what does a lockdown look like in Hawaii? 
Like it doesn't look like what New Zealand <laughs> one million percent. Right. The whole country stay in your house, everyone buying. And I saw you wearing your mask, standing in the line yeah. at the thing. The whole country bought in. All my boys, yeah. all the toughest guys yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. all bought into yeah. the thing. Hawaii's not like that. America's not like that. Right. I think because of egos, right. I think people just have too much of an ego and too much of their opinion matters and I'm just like just do it like even if it goes against what you believe in just like just do it for two weeks do it for four weeks and then you're done because now New Zealand you know however long we've done it even though we've done it twice now we're good now I can come to your garage now you can yeah. pick me up from my house yeah. like and they're, they're, they've been in the great they've been half-assing it for yeah over six months now yeah you know yeah yeah I know quite a few people that didn't agree with it yeah. but as soon as it like hit they all did it. We yeah. all just stayed home. I trained in this yeah, garage yeah, like yeah. three times a day just to try and keep my sanity. Um, yeah. But everyone, but everyone did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think. I think also like part of being a Kiwi as well is that you always feel like you're kind of part of a team. Yep. And it's quite a strong sense of team as well. And New Zealand's used to being like a small country and used to being like kind of like counted yeah. against by the world. Yeah. Like, and we're just not dicks, bro. We try. <laughs> I, I always work. think that. Like I tell people, like yeah. every day at work, I would grab the radio from one of the PAs, which is like the runners. She's like, "Hey, what's up? You're stepping on ship. New Zealand's the best country in the world." But because <laughs> that goes Radio One, you know, Channel One goes to the whole crew, and then it should be oh, this dick. <laughs> yeah, because we are, bro. Best country in the world. We are. We are. So I'm waiting for someone to complain about what they have right now because I'm like I, I was living in the I was living in the world for six months and it sucked yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's it like in Finland that was awesome it was beautiful it was awesome to work but same thing you know there are restrictions on things. everything closes at eight um, but Finland is a great country bro I've done a lot of sightseeing we're, we're shooting in this town where it was their first Hollywood film ever being shot in Finland and it was supposed to be shot in America but because of coronavirus sure Awesome. Of, I was like, I'll go to Finland. Yeah. Hell yeah, I've never been to Finland. I went moose hunting. I stayed in this um, spa place. You went moose hunting? Yeah, bro. You catch a moose? You shoot a moose? No, we could have, but then I kind of like scared it you away. Scared it off. Because I it was, like, it was too easy. Because like, like I, love, I love hunting, bro. Yeah. But this, this, this style, it was cool just being with this group because they had been set up, this hunting group, because they're hunting like clubs. Right. And this hunting club was set up in 1869. Right. I was like, bro, the white people discovered my country in 1840, bro. Like, I was just thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first Erie Kiwi. I was like, yeah, bro, white people discovered like Aotearoa in 1840. Like, and you guys are set up in 1869. They're like, yeah. I was like, bro. So I got to hunt with these guys, and there's about like 40 of them, but they just sit on us like they have a massive piece of private land and they sit in different spots and then just um, put dogs down on one end and chase the moose up is it across the, like a few nights or is it just, just like one across? day oh, okay. and then they send the moose and pretty much get, it's easy, easy. Ah, I call it easy hunting so you sit there and just ah, wait for it to come and then shoot it I see. I see. and within the first three minutes I heard the moose and I saw it and like I'm a hunter and I love I love the journey of hunting yeah. you know I love yeah, yeah. I like you earn the hunt yeah you know, like you respect the animal that much, like it shouldn't be this easy. Like I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to kill, take an animal's life that easy. Like I don't work for it. Like I need especially if they're driven it. towards you. Yeah. yeah, I understand. You know, it's just like what's a moose like in real life? Massive. Yeah, but I saw, I went bigger than this, a cow, right? Yeah, way, way bigger. bigger, bro. It's massive and scary, but they're harmless. But they, uh, I say that, they, like we had this 
just before I came, went to Finland, I went on a hunting trip with my buddies. I told my wife um, I'm, I was going on a hunting trip. She, and she goes, okay, where? I was like, oh, somewhere in the mainland in America. She goes, okay, when? And then I was just gone. Off the grid, bro. <laughs> I didn't come back for like two weeks. And then I came back. I was like, hey, no, babe. She's call. like, where, where the fuck are you, babe? I thought you fucking dead trying to figure out where you were. I was like, babe, I almost died. Tw- I almost died twice, bro. It was she, crazy, she don't give a bro. shit. She don't give a shit yeah, about none like, of that communication. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I was just like, well, this is the time when the whole coronavirus, the Donald Trump stuff was going out. I was like, I just want to get away. I from had to the go world. dark. <laughs> yes, the day you found out that you were a dad. Mm-hmm. How was that? What was that like? Yeah, the day I found out I was a father was, poof. That was tough. It wasn't it wasn't a great experience to be honest, bro, and I'll be frank. You know, like we didn't plan for our kids like most people. Uh most young people. I was how old is I? I don't know. My wife wasn't twenty one yet. She she had a twenty first plan for all four of mine, brother. Yeah, bro. She my wife had a twenty first and she was pregnant. Yes. But um, you know, it was a it was my wife, bro. She she fucking made the decision. You know, I was on the the worst side. Like I look back at myself now and then, like that Beulah, I was like, bro, you were so pathetic. Your wife was so strong, and um, we had our children, and that was a journey. But the decision, the time, it wasn't even the day she told us we were pregnant. But this, the day I made the decision that I was going to be a father, like a proper father, not anything like my dad or any role model that was in my life. I literally called up, went through my contact list, called up people, and was like, "Hey, what's up, brother?" He's like, "Hey, hey, bro." I was like, "I'm cutting you from my life." Just and like that, like that, and they were like, "Oh, what are you in?" They hung up, then I move on to the next person, delete their contact. We're on the next. Hey, what's up, brother? Why? Why? Because I just feel like I didn't need any of the garbage in my life for me to be the dad that so I each, wanted to each be. Each of those people had something associated with them that was. Well, each of those people weren't going to help me grow to be the father that I wanted to be for sure. my kids. Sure. They didn't have anything that made me bad. It was just like, you added nothing to my life to help me be a great man. Well, it's pretty admirable that you did that, like just straight yeah. up and just say it straight to them. It wasn't admirable at the time. It was just being being straight. Like, And that's, I feel like that's where, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, nowadays, I'm a pretty frank guy. Mm. Like, like I hashtag the, quote running straight constantly and I don't hashtag that like to try and make a thing of it like mm. I'm straight up mm. I run a straight in everything you know and don't care how big you are how tough you are because you can't you can't scare a guy that's not scared of death it's a measure of heart yeah and also but it's not just um, physically as well it's being able to say directly and call things out directly when you feel that they're inappropriate yeah. or if you feel that they're not right for you. Yeah. But being able to say that yeah. um, is a pretty cool quality, I guess. Yeah. And also, bro, I'm not the perfect man. Like, no, I'm not saying like I'm the perfect man. Like yeah. I miss up millions of times and my wife, you call my wife, she'll tell you. But it's like, I try, like I'm my conscience, consciously try to be a great person for great father for my kids and a great husband for my wife mm. you know? and I remember when she finally did give birth yeah and it was it was a rough time was, yeah um, I already had kids at the time 
um, so I couldn't even begin to comprehend how you would be feeling especially um, your sons your twins your mm. they're your firstborn um, and they were straight into intensive care mm. um, what exactly happened and how how did you deal with that yeah my my wife was we had we had twins we found out we we're having twins and then we had a i forgot what it was called a spe- specific name um and we knew we were going to come up with problems and we started having problems pretty early on and um, about during the pregnancy during the pregnancy and about four months to when she was due they pretty much put my wife into intensive care to just monitor the kids um do you, do you know specifically what was wrong yeah, um, pretty much one one twin wasn't getting enough food from the. They were sharing a placenta. They yes. didn't have a placenta each, and one twin wasn't it's getting taking too much. Yeah, he was, yeah. and the other one was stuck Lucky. at the bottom, and he got literally nothing. And um, Fuck. yeah, so he was in like the five percentile of what they should be growing at. Right, and so we had to leave our kids in the womb long enough so our kids could grow their lungs. So that when they, they, we knew we had to pull them out early, but we're trying to keep them there long enough so they grew their lungs and long enough so they grew enough strength, but not long enough because we knew that twin number one was going to pass. So the doctors pretty much told me and my wife like, okay, let's kill one baby now so the other one has a 100% chance of living. And I was Serious, like, that was their advice? like not like in those terms in nicer terms but that was pretty much it I was like you want to kill one baby so they're basically saying you need to make a choice yeah and I said and I was like sweet let's do it my wife was like how no she goes okay so what's going to happen if you let two of them live is that probably one might not live and the other one's probably going to have complications and if they do both live they're probably both going to have complications because they didn't get the things they needed so they're on monitor keeping on them we shared scans like three times a day for about a month kept them in there long enough to the point where isaac twin number one who was struggling stopped moving and that was the point when we knew okay he's like he's about to die so we rushed her into emergency you know cut her open and pulled out my babies and you know the whole thing of like Oh, your baby's born. It was great. Blah, blah, blah. It was like, bro, my baby was born and it was like half the size of my hand, looked like an alien, was like not a fully formed human and was dead. Like my son was dead. And my wife was like behind He the was sheets. not breathing nothing when he came out. No, he's nothing. Dead. He's dead. And I get, and I look because I look straight through all the nurses and doctors' faces and they rushed them straight to the room in the back. And yeah. I could see them pressing this little human yeah. trying to resuscitate and that's when I like stopped and I prayed to God and I go you make this kid live I promise I promise you God that I will take your name to the highest places and I'll I'll do everything for you that's where I made that prayer while also going he's okay he's good he looks great to my wife behind the sheets then they pulled out my second boy Xavier you know who was also born three months earlier and he came out screaming and crying I was like he looked not fully formed <laughs> right but he, uh, that then I was like oh that's what it feels like to, to, to have that um, that that thing that all fathers were telling me about yeah and then quick reality came back when I looked past them and looked into the other room you see a whole bunch of nurses trying to bring my son back to life and which they eventually did but then they stayed in intensive care for three months and there were many days where 
the doctors and nurses called us in and you're like, come say goodbye to your babies. You know, no one knew about this. Many days. Many days. Bro, and my wife... That woman, bro, she is amazing. Like, what she done, how she went through it, like, I can't even comprehend or, like, talk about how amazing my wife is. It's a different level. It's a different level. There's levels to this. She she, she literally changed right before my eyes. Right. From being my girlfriend at the time to, like, the mother of my children. Yeah. And, like... I was almost forgotten, which I fucking, I was like, yo, it's awesome. And she was just all about my kids. And, bruh, that's, I was just like, God is real at that time because he brought my kid back to life many times, you know. And now my kids now are running around and happy and they're like normal kids. Wow. And I look at, I look at my kids. But they were in hospital for quite a while. We were, we're in hospital. Yeah. We're there in, in intensive care for about three months. Yes. They're in there when, I remember Sunny Bill's, Kids were there. So, one of Sunny Bill Williams's kids were in there, and I, I remember talking to him, and I, I knew he was in Nuka. I was, we're talking about it like, bro, it's tough, eh? Yeah. Why is that amazing? And there's a cool little conversation I got to have with Sunny Bill Williams and just relate with him on a different level other than your rugby player. Like, bro, we're fathers here trying to support our wives who are going through the, the worst day of the worst days of their life. And something that we can't ever go through. Yeah. We could go through a lot of things. Bro. But that was, yeah, being, I was just like, I am useless. Yeah. yeah. I, I was literally useless because I couldn't do anything. Yeah. All I could do was hold my wife's hand and support her, you know, while, while she was trying to, I couldn't produce milk. I couldn't produce the vitamins that my kids needed, you know. <clears throat> I remember twice um, delivering two of my kids mm. and I'll never forget the feeling it happened two times mm. where they were born but they weren't crying mm. and doctors all of a sudden just poured oh. into the room and my wife was looking at me going he's alright eh he's alright and I'm yeah. like he's fine he's beautiful yeah. and knowing the other part of my mind that he's not breathing yeah, yeah. and I'm listening for the cry because yeah. when they start crying you know that yeah, like they're breathing yeah, yeah. I can't hear it and it feels like an eternity yeah. and part of my mind is thinking my son is dead and the other part is saying yeah you did great yeah, you did yeah, so yeah, great yeah, he's yeah. so good you did so great like comforting but um, that sense of like uh, being so close to death mm. the impending doom of um, I, I've been through a lot of things in my life mm. um, but I always measure it against this one thing that's constant for me is that my children are alive and healthy yep I could never, I'd find it hard to wake up in the mornings if one, if something was ever to happen to one of them. Mm. And when I hear about things happening to people's children, oh, mate, bro, my heart I, just like, I break, yeah, bro, yeah. on a different level as a parent. And yeah. then also seeing it, yeah. you just like, it. there's levels. And, and, like, yeah. and not even that, like when there's stuff done to children, uh, you know, which I don't want to even talk about because yeah. it destroy me. Yeah. It's just like, I, I will kill yeah. a human being because of what they would what they do to like and I don't even care who listens to this I will murder you if you I think a lot of people feel that way yeah yeah because you know what it's like to have a child 
yeah. you know the love it's a different kind of love man it's very very different and everyone says and like even if i say it now it's pure love it's like <laughs> i described it the worst way to my friend i was like gee it's like stein lager pure he's like what do you mean he's like when you drink stein lager he's like yeah it's like you Try drink stein pure. lager pure <laughs> different eh? was, yeah very like, different that's the love I have for this kid, bro. Like, I thought I loved my girlfriend. You know, who's my wife now. I was like, gee, this is different. Because I look at that and I'm like, that's half of me. You know, and I'm not going to give you what I went through when I was a kid. Yeah. And also, this is where I'm massive. Like, I don't, I can't comprehend, like, how the people before me that raised me or fathered me or whatever, like, thought of the things or done the things to me yes you know I'm you can't like, comprehend like, that. like I'm like how, how did you do that like because I look at my kids I'm like I could never do anything like that to my children like I, I will happily die for my children and happily kill anyone that tries to come anyone near my children like it's easy that's easy so I could never so I never want to give my kids any of that Mm. you know mm. yeah yeah but yeah being a father is is great it comes with its challenges but that's like everything but with this one it's different because it's not like anything else in life it's something there's something about having your child in your bed looking at you smiling at you saying morning daddy that's just like Bro, you, no amount of money can pay for that. Completes you. It's just it every day, you. bro. My baby's this yeah. morning, daddy. When you've got your unit around you, you <sighs> just feel like gee, yeah, complete. Yeah, bro. Yeah, and then you're like, all right, I'm gonna get out into that big wide world. Yeah, go grind for these kids. Yeah, Dude. your um, there's something else as well. Your wife, yeah, um, who we've spoken about, amazing person. Mm. Um, for her as well to uh, and I understand this as a parent the challenge of this for her to become like a first time mother to twins <laughs> bro and be at home with the twins bro yeah talk to me about that because gee Hawaii five O for the first year there she was in a prison mm. because she couldn't leave the home yes because I was at work every day working travelling the island working be seeing beautiful Hawaii my wife was stuck in like and we lived in a beautiful place we had a beautiful condo we got to do everything but like but you don't have any family there you got no family no nothing bro and my wife done it all by herself all by herself and she would have like 20 minutes to herself where she would go down where the kids would sleep she would go down to the pool and she would tan which I still to this day don't understand why fucking people tan. <laughs> um, um, well, that's coming that, from a beautiful brown yeah, man that's like yourself. From a brown man, but you know, my wife is kind of brown. She's super brown when she tans. Sure. Um, but that was her twenty minutes of her. Was her twenty, and I, I, I never understood that. I was like, why would you? Why do you go downstairs and? And that was me. I was stupid. I was an idiot. Like. I didn't understand what my wife was actually going through. Like, I spent uh, two days with my kids by myself, and I was like, holy crap, this sucks. You do this every day? <laughs> like, you do this, you've done this for a year by yourself? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm a terrible human being, mm. you know? 
quite humbling, eh? But you it's see very it. Very humbling. Yeah. I, I feel, I know for a fact motherhood is the biggest job in the world. Or being a parent, not just motherhood, because, you know, some mothers fail. And fathers pick up and pick up that bit, like deciding to be a parent. But my, for, for, for me and my family, my wife, and still to this day, is the greatest. Like, I was away from my kids for five months. Yeah. She let me go and chase the dream. Whew, five months. Five months. Just her and the twins. Her and the twins. Find the school for them. Find the house for us. I live in New Zealand. You know, blah, blah, blah. Do all of this and that. And it's like, and I'm running around shooting movies. Like, sure, that's the grind. And sure, it's hard. But it puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's amazing what parents do day to day. But that's important for you. Like, we go back to that support system. Yeah. You have, I feel like you have to find someone who believes in your dream, who believes in you, and you also believe in them. Because oh, when shit hits the fan, you, I go to my wife. Yeah. You know, like, literally on my knees, crying like a baby, going, am I good enough? Is You've you- only got each other. You've only got each other, man. Yeah. Um, but that's um, that's probably the most extreme example of it is going to another country mm. with no family and mm. just having your own kids and you've literally just got each other. Yeah. I mean, you've got your film crew and everything yeah. and you might have other friends and stuff, but at the end of the day, man, it's like it's down to yeah. the two of you. Um, if you think, I put it sometimes in perspective, like some of our parents came here to New Zealand, completely foreign country. Back in a time where it was also looked down on. It was frowned upon. There you go. Yeah. It's frowned upon. And you are forced to learn a culture that you did not know. Not even learn a culture. You like, because the the true culture of New Zealand is Maori. 100%. 150%. So you weren't forced to learn that culture. No. You're, first, you're forced, forced to, to learn, learn the culture a culture that, that was that forced himself onto the country that you came onto, and then they were like, "Why aren't you learning the way of the Europeans?" You know, it's just like you know, it's just all well and good, you know, and I and I get it, and like you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that stuff and blah blah blah. But it's just like I I caught up with my auntie and uncle today, and I talked to them about this. I was like, "How was it for you coming here?" And to them, it's just like it was just e- you know, it wasn't easy. It was just like. It's, it is what it is but me looking back I'm like it wasn't like you were treated like trash you you guys were being raided in the mornings and flown back and not being able to say goodbye to your family and there was no FaceTime there and there was no nothing and it's like you, you, you were brought here to work and then when the economy hit the shit hit the fan you were the first ones to be kicked out when the Australians goes. and the freaking Europeans when the Australians and the freaking Europeans were the were, the, were were most of the overstayers here, but it's, uh, that's why that's why our job is important. Tell those stories. To tell the stories and let create that thing. Because I know now as a as a kid that grew up in South Auckland, but I didn't know I didn't know my aunties and uncles grew up in Ponsonby. I didn't know Ponsonby was the Otara of Auckland. Yes, did not like. New Zealand succeeded in making the next generation not know about anything about that time, the bad time. They su- You succeeded, but now you messed up because now you made an actor do a job that is going to tell the rest of the New Zealand generation that um, that it isn't all what you see. Like, mm. there's, there's, there's look past the smoke. Well, there's a hell of a lot of work to be done there is. in regards to that. 
and also New Zealand is, is we're so far ahead to the rest of the world like not traveling the world we're so far ahead but there's so much work to be done we're so far ahead in certain aspects yeah I, I feel personally when it comes to like things like um, taking advantage of like the indigenous people that lived here um, the systems that are in place I feel like we are just as far behind yep. as other countries as yep. well and I think it's like a fair assessment <laughs> um, yep the Maori are such um, a powerful race. Um, my job is I travel the North Island. I do a lot of traveling. Mm. So I see a lot of different places around New Zealand. It's always amazing. I love that country. I love it. Yeah. I love it, bro. The thing is, though, is like when I see like these amazing places, I stop for a second and I'm like, this used to just be the place of the Maori. <laughs> yeah, bro. This like, used to just be all bush. What was that like? Do you know what I mean? And then... And then, because I'm zero generation, I mm. I came here when I was 17 from Tonga. And then I have this other sensation where I'm like, I'm grateful to be taken in as a visitor, yes, as a manuhiri yeah. into this country. And that they, I, can, I am allowed to call this home. I'm grateful, you know. Mm. But that's a, I think that's an indigenous point of view looking at another indigenous yes. race as well. Yes. And that's not always the case. Yeah. Because a lot of... But then we're all connected. Yes. We're all connected. We just came here later. You know, but they came in and the Māori came in and established and, you know, I love, bro, it's so weird, bro, because I came back to New Zealand, I was in quarantine and I was watching the news and there was a Māori lady with a, um, Moko. Yeah, Moko. And she was telling, the, presenting the news and I I haven't been in New Zealand that long that like, I was like, seen that. I was like, I called my friends, like, bro, there's a Māori lady on the screen or oh, the Moko telling the news. She's the main, she's the main girl. And she's like, yeah, bro, it's been here. For, I was like, let's fucking go. It's beautiful. And then I was like, bro, and the white people are greeting everyone in Māori. Yeah. I was like, yeah. bro. And, you know, not to make it right, you know, my you know, my kids are part Māori. My wife mm. is half Māori. Mm. But, like, I, my wife doesn't know much about her Māori side, but, like, I, it's a dream of mine to, for mm. my kids to know their Samoan side and their Maori side. Mm. It's kind of why I, didn't, I don't want my kids to be raised in America or Hawaii because as much as Polynesia is Polynesia, I don't want my kids to know more Hawaiian than they do their own self, Maori right. and Samoan. Right. You know, it's like one of my biggest fears. Right. So. Um, I've known you for a long time. Long time. Long time. And long um, time. if there's one thing that you and I have in common, it's uh, probably staying in shape. Sure. Um, talk to me about that and talk to me like what your sort of normal training regime is now yeah I try to train at least like three four times a week like uh, like, and it's usually like high intensive training like at least an hour of just like disgusting sets like if, if I'm not going dark in my brain then it's not a workout you know like you and I have that in common yeah like and that and it's so weird because I see so many people who look amazing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you got the abs, you got the muscles. And it's like, I would destroy you. In one hour. Yeah, in one in hour. 30 minutes. Yeah. And like in Hawaii, I took up boxing. Yes. Which is great. great. And I yeah. love boxing. And yeah. I took it up with a coach, Palolo Boxing Gym, Coach Joe, who's kind of like a legend in Hawaii. And just like learnt the art, like a martial art, learnt an actual martial art. Mm. And it just like put me in a different mindset of just not just aggressively training, but just like now I go. I remember I came to New Zealand in 
the second year I was in Hawaii, I came back and I took my brother out to teach him how to drink sensibly because he wasn't drinking sensibly. Bro, that's great. Yeah, yeah, because my brother was drinking like a freaking South, South Cider. Sure, but... Yeah, but then I was like, when I come to New Zealand, I'm going to take you out drinking. And you're going to drink with my friends and I'm going to show you You're going to enjoy it and you're going to have a good time. Yeah. And you're going to have a good evening and you're going to remember all of it. So I, t- no, like I told him, no, we went out to get wasted, bro. <laughs> Like, but I'm like, I'm gonna show you how to get wasted, but not end up like you at the end of the night. Sir, we're in headphones. They're great headphones. You got a great setup here. Thank you, bro. It's a pretty simple setup. Yeah. And every now and then, I know I don't know if the audience is listening, but you can hear a car go by. Yeah. Dogs barking. You will never understand what really goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. You may hear a domestic or two. Yeah. But um, this really is a garage in South Auckland. That's what I love. So, this is as real as it gets. There's no one behind the cameras. There's no one behind the lights. There's this is what I love about Every now and then the battery dies and I get up and I have to turn it off and turn it back yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but this really is like a labor of love. Yeah. But you know why I turned up? I told Mike before this is like, I turned up, like I, I don't say yes to a lot of things. And when he asked me, I said yes. But mainly, yeah, mainly because you're a good person and I know your work ethic. And even when I was overseas, I, I, I understand you grind it's for your family and I'm, I'm the same yeah and i feel like sometimes in this industry whatever some people get the light shot on them and they don't deserve it mm. because they're not actually good people you know right. and you're a good person bro well thank you bro. i judge I people by their character like i don't care what anyone does like, i have friends in many different not even in the acting industry like and they've done some stuff and I'll judge you from your character. The 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 criminal, the person that person in Herne Bay could think that the the baddest criminal in Mount Eden Prison is is bad. And I look at him and I and I talk to him for a while and get to know him. And I'm like, that's one of the greatest people I know. Yeah, because everyone everyone's a person. You're a person. Everybody, everyone has gone through different things to that's get it. them to Sir. to different places of where they're at. Mm. Yes. I'm really happy that you're here. I'm stoked that I'm here. I like. I've been looking forward to this all week. Like, Same, bro. <laughs> For real. But because we haven't caught up in years. Years. But I know that we have like probably very similar values. Very. very. Just trying to be good people, man. Just trying to be good. Dads, and then that's good pretty husband. much the 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 main thing. Yeah. Is like when you just try and be a good person. Yeah. Which I think is undervalued in this world. Yeah. Like a lot in this world. And, and it's I feel like it's the secret ingredient to succeed in whatever you want in life. And sometimes people get sucked into trying to be someone else or trying to be like this or this job requires this. But at the end of the day, like I feel like like take a risk, try being a good person, and see what that does for you. Do you and most people like won't this, take it. Do you think it's kind of like the secret to happiness as well? It is. I think it's also when you there's a dog. <laughs> South side, baby. South side. It's also when you give without expecting anything in return. When you do things for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because the world only revolves, you know, yeah. on people and on kindness. Yes. Like, I, like I, I know this, like, through my life, like, I know that love conquers all. There's one thing I know. Like, there's so many people I could hate in my life. So many people so many people in people's lives that you could turn to and be like you screwed me and blah 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 mm. like 
I have all of them in my life. And mm. I bet you guys have all of them. And you have all of them. But right. you choose. What I choose, I know love conquers it. Doesn't mean I need to be best friends with them. That's right. Does not mean I need to be best friends. And I'll be straight up. Like, me and my dad. Like, my dad is a piece of shit. I told my dad. Like, I called him one time. And I, and I, cause I was like, gee, I forgive you. And he's like, he sat there like, what the hell? I was like, I forgive you. I'm not going to be your best friend. But I forgive you for the sake of my kids because the hate that I give to you is bleeding into the relationship that I have with my kids. It's unnecessary energy that you Bro, unnecessary. Yeah. It's like I refuse to give you any more energy. Yeah. I refuse to give you this hate because you like I hate you so much that I don't hate you. Mm. You know? Like you don't deserve to have that because that energy deserves to go to my to my babies. Mm. De- deserves to go to my wife. And I told my dad that, and he, and, and that was one of the moments where I was like, "Whoa, I'm more man than my dad," wow. you know. And 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 that's all good, mm. you know. But it's just like, fuck, negative, bro. Negative is just negative. There's nothing positive, positive about, about a negative, it. bro. It's just negative. So fuck all of that shit, yeah. bro. Just figure out the positive and the negative. Chase that thing, and then move forward and move on to the next thing because guess what the negative guys are doing they're just staying in the negatives and so you just keep moving forward and charging forward like that's such a great thing to say yeah well it's honest it's like it's not a great thing to say it's, it's just like I know that because I've done it <laughs> yeah but yeah. you can't like yeah the more negative that you are you don't go anywhere you don't progress you anywhere stop forward. there bro you stop and that's it because you're caught on that and, and you're just like going around in a circle you can't move forward yeah it's been amazing to talk to you. You Thank have you, you are such a different person. Uh, you have grown so much as a man since I last spoke. I wouldn't know, bro. Yeah, <laughs> but you, yeah, you, know, you but, could, yeah. But from the last time I saw, which is probably about seven, eight years ago, yeah, um, you've progressed so much further. I'm personally so proud of you. Thank you, brother. And um, I think that all your values and everything that you talk about they're quite important. Um, so I want to ask you, like, as a last question, and. Take a sip if you need to or have a I think about this before you answer. But um, people that are listening to this, you know, that are from either similar backgrounds to you and me, where they come from a background where they're broke, where they come from a background where they're going through stuff every day at home, uh, or not even at home, but just stuff that's happening around them, where they feel like they're in a little bit of darkness. What do you say to them? I guess is my question. Hmm. What do I say to Take them? your time, bro. For, yeah, there's a big question. It's a big question because I know we know what that's like. A lot of people, hopefully watching, know what that's like. You know, because that dark space becomes very dark, very quick. And you don't want to reach out to anyone because you're worthless. You know, you're nothing. And then it just, just takes over. And then the decisions that you feel like you would never ever think of in your life become very easy. Super easy. Like as easy as like I can move my cup to here. That easy. And that dark decision can be that easy. And I promise you. I promise you. You just have to keep looking forward and the light is there. I promise you, there's one more day. And if not that day, another day. But you have to 
remove yourself, try to remove yourself from that situation and focus on the positive because negative can only become negative. Like it can, like you have to think of the positives in those. And I've been through so many negatives that like, I'm very good at, like as soon as a negative comes in my life, I I start searching for the positive. And there's always a positive and the shittiest negatives of negatives. That's the habit of a winner. Yeah, but I, and and I don't I know I know that I know I'm a winner. I'm I'm competitive and I know I'm a winner. But there's so many negatives in life, and I know God put that in there for me. And it, and it's not off like I'm not a feelings guy. Mm. Like people go like I feel like I need this. Like I feel like this is for me. Because guess what happens when the feeling goes? It's gone, That's and then it. there's nothing. Yeah. So what needs to be driven through that is just you knowing as a fact that this is the right thing to do mm. like even though that i don't feel like turning it up turning up to whatever this is what has to happen because it ends up being a positive in the end and then you end up i feel like if you come from the deepest darkest negatives and negatives and you make it you end up wanting to help the people who are in deeper darker shit than you mm. were and, and and I know that's what I want to do. Like I'm, I'm self sighted till I die, bro. And people say that, but I know for a fact people don't mean that. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, and I call out anyone because I'll be like, "What are you doing for self sight? Like, what are you trying to do for mental health? What are you trying to do for the people that have gone through the stuff that we have gone through?" It's like, you know, it's not that I'm trying to boast about what. It, like, I'm trying to help progress this community, progress the community, and show them. Gee, like I'm no different. People are like, you're so special. You, you, I'm like, gee, there's like thousands of me mm. back in this little town called Otara, back in this little group called South Auckland. That, like, if you just made them believe in themselves, they would be on this thing, you know. And I'm thankful that they're not because I'm fucking paying my bills. But, like, I want to go back and make sure that these kids make sure they realize. Gee, you can do exactly what I'm doing right now. 100%. And, you, and, and, and you can go further than me. Please go further than me. Because I went further. I, I hope to go further than the people before me. Mm. And I hope you do what I've done. You pay respect to the people that went before Going me. Going before you. Because my biggest idol is Nathaniel Lees. It used to be Denzel Washington, but it, like through my career, it's Nathaniel Lees. It's paving a way for you. But I wouldn't be in this position. Frankie Adams, KJ Upper would be nothing. Beulah Kowale would be nothing without Nathaniel Lees, without Anapilla, without Letty, without Jay Langaya, without all these, like, I'm missing names, but without all these people that came before us. Some amazing names you've mentioned there. Like, I would be nothing mm. without these people. So when I see them, like, they got, they're gods to me. It's like, thank you. And there would be nothing without the storytellers before them, mm. the orators before them, you know? So, like, I hope I hope to pave the way for the next generation to go out there and kill it and then do way more things than I've done. And I hope they pay, I don't even care about me, but pay homage to the people that came before them because we're people, we're Pacific people. We know our ancestry. We always pay homage to our ancestors. 100%. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's been an honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you, brother. And the least I can do, man, is just wish you and your family all the best. With Thank all you. my heart, wish you all the best, man, with the future. Appreciate and um, 
Thank you again for coming on. Love you, Docs. I really appreciate it also. My Thank love. Thank you. Yo, it's the mic on mic. Into the mic on mic. And pour us another one. Let's do it right though, mic. We feeling nice though, mic. Gather round, gather round. Into the mic on mic. Into the mic on mic. Yeah. Garage drinks with Mike. <laughs>